Welcome, welcome everybody back to a new episode of the UW Film Club podcast where each week we invite a member of the club onto a show to talk about a film of their choice, whether it be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between. It is all on the table. My name is Rohan. I'm your host for this very special edition of the UW Film Club podcast. Uh, we recently just attended the Seattle International Film Festival for its 48th edition, and we got a chance to see a lot of really good films. And so for this podcast today, I went around to a couple of the folks that reviewed films for the site. You can go check that out on our website, um, sites.uw.edu slash film. Um, so we're going to get into that right now. Cool, so I'm here with our writer, Piper Coiner, who's Hello. our lead on our website. Uh, Piper, how did you enjoy SIF 2022? Any highlights of the festival, just generally going? Yeah, SIF was great this year. I really, really loved that it was, like, hybrid. Um, I just had a busy week with classes and stuff, and I couldn't, like, get to the theater very frequently, so I really loved that, like, most of the films I wanted to see were also streaming. Um, you know, and then the ones that weren't, like, I was able to go to the theater twice, cha-cha real smooth was probably like the highlight on the very last day of the festival yeah, yeah. I, re- I really love the hi- hybrid too i feel like more festivals should adopt that because i also was i literally watched i think like five movies the last day because i just procrastinated <laughs> horribly and knew that i could uh watch them um on the last day um but yeah, yeah uh so we're all we're asking all our viewers what were their two favorite films of the festivals um, do you got any two that highlight that are highlights in your mind? Yeah, so the first one would probably be um, this French, actually I think it's like French-Belgian co-production called Zero Fucks Given. Um, so I was initially drawn to it because it, it stars Adele Exarpoulos, question mark, sorry, my <laughs> Greek isn't perfect. You're good. <laughs> um, from, you know, Blue is the Warmest Color. Um, And she plays, like, a flight attendant on a low-budget airlines, and she is very depressed after, like, the tragic um, uh, death of her mother. And she's kind of struggling through, like, late-stage capitalism and, like, being a young person and um, wanting to form relationships with people, but also wanting to remain distant out of, like, you know, fear of vulnerability. And it was a really, really good film. It was, like, there were some moments that were, like, very smart and comical, and, uh, I mean, a lot of it was, like, very, very melancholy. And it just felt like very much a... It, it felt like something for our generation. Cassandre, the main character, is supposed to be 26. And I, I just... I felt her so much in, like, a very sad way, you oh, know? Yeah. I mean, at the end, she goes to, like, I think Dubai and, like, starts a new life. But, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff about, like, women in the workplace. Like, um, since she works as a flight attendant, she just encounters all this kind of crazy sexism like her um her co-workers report her to the company because she didn't shave her legs one day you know that kind of stuff and the employees are always uh, like encouraged to like tattle on one another for little infractions and stuff and she loses her job because um she gives this like sobbing woman a free glass of wine yeah (laughs) and this like mean british guy back in the headquarters he's like you're not supposed to do that you can't just use the company credit card and she's like well what am i supposed to do when I see someone who's deeply sad. And yeah, that's that's genuinely what the movie feels like. It's deeply sad, but it's also like it's comforting in that fact. Okay. And it's it's um 
it's definitely comical at times, and I think it's streaming on Mubi right now. So. Ooh, nice. Okay, yeah. so you can go check that out right now. Yes, exactly. It Sweet. is worthwhile. Awesome. And uh, got another movie that you wanted to talk, uh, highlight? Uh, yeah, A Tale of Love and Desire. Um, that is a Tunisian-French co-production by um, Leila Bouzid. Um, it was pretty good. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to be just as um, blown away as I was by this. It's like a very, very sensual film, as you know, you can tell by the title. Um, it's about like this young, uh, uh, I think he's like Algerian French boy named Ahmed, and then um, he meets this Tunisian girl named Farah at um, the Sorbonne, where they're both studying literature. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, like, pretty sexually liberated and, like, obviously um, embraces her Arab culture and heritage, whereas, like, Ahmed is, like, struggling with, like, Islam and, like, his community and also just, like, his burgeoning sexuality as an 18-year-old. And it's a really wonderful film that just touches upon a bunch of different things related to, like, identity, religion, literature, sexuality, music, like, women's rights. It's really, really cool. And... Yeah, I guess the films I gravitated towards were, like, about young people and our lives and <laughs> Europe, I guess. And, yeah, this one was great. <laughs> Europe and young people seems to be your theme of your festival experience. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, awesome. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing those thoughts. Yeah, of course. Um, actually, false alert there. Um, Piper wanted to jump back <laughs> on and... Uh, talk about one more film which i was like cool uh what you want to talk about indeed uh i wanted to talk about the uh marcel the shell with shoes on yes very precious i most wholesome thing i think i've seen at the festival Mm -hmm. in it's so it was really it was really nice to just watch something that like i that was good but not in like like it was good in terms of how it was made and also like good in terms of like oh I can definitely turn this on with my grandpa. If mm-hmm. You would enjoy this mm-hmm. thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, around him, yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you like about it? Gosh, I loved that. Um, well, first off, I had like no clue what was happening when I went into it. All I knew was it was like a shell, but he looked like a snail. So I was like, I'm seeing a comedy film about a snail with Jenny Slate. Yeah. But yeah, I loved. Marcel and his slash their like androgyny yeah. <laughs> and the little pink shoes and like the little googly eye and yeah they were just like so yeah innocent and had such cute little like fresh eyes about the world but just like there was so much pain in Marcel from like all of his shell family disappearing and uh, yeah I really love films that like straddle that line between like being comical and like heartwarming and, and life affirming and then also just like full of sorrow you know which i feel like marcel was particularly with like the director youtuber guy who was like going through a divorce and all yeah yeah it was it was a it was a very healing film to say the least and Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed just sort of going on the journey with marcel i also love isabella rossellini just being the grandma Mm -hmm. love that um it took me for i didn't realize that until the very end i was like hmm i wonder where the grandma's from (laughs) yeah no i was like she mexican yeah no i i I, uh i went with cynthia and cynthia was like isabella rossellini and i thought i just thought she was like saying something random and then i looked at the credits and i was like oh wow that makes sense that sounded familiar um that's crazy it was it, it was a very sweet film and i would also recommend People go check that out. I think it actually comes out in May. So Really? I think oh. so in theaters. So if you got a theater near you that's somehow 
playing that with I don't know the seventy Doctor Strange show guys. <laughs> so and watch it because I would say that is a very wholesome film that the entire family can enjoy. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna see that again. Cool, so cute. Any other films you want to talk about? Anything else? Gosh. Um, well, I watched this one called Small Body, which um, it's an Italian film. It was just like very, uh, very cathartic in a way, and, okay. but like emotionally draining too. Um, very personal. Um, it's about a woman at like the turn of the century in Italy in like the north on kind of the coast. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of detail, but yeah. it's like it's very historically grounded. Okay. Um, and uh, she has a stillborn daughter, and the Catholic Church won't allow her to like bury the daughter or name her, I think. Um, and then says that like because the daughter never drew a breath um, on the earth, she's like stuck in purgatory forever, which religion yes so you know the husband like is obviously distraught too but like has i don't know ship faring stuff to do so you know this woman this poor woman is probably like our age even younger is like stuck there all alone and so sad so she ends up going on this journey um across the mountains to this mystical place where supposedly they can like um bring babies back to life long enough to baptize them and like bring them out of purgatory yeah, so I think it was just a really, really lovely um, combination of, like, this historical um, groundedness and, like, authenticity, and then also, like, this kind of mystical, you know, this interesting time period where, like, there was electricity and there were, like, things that were happening and telegrams and all that stuff, but there was also, like, you know, in some remote coastal part of Italy, like, life continued on as it always had, and there was still elements of, like, this mysticism. Um, yeah, Sorry. No, I, I, I just love I just love hearing those films about like those deep pockets of like spirituality in the face mm-hmm. of like changing technologies and all that. Pretty yeah. sounds really interesting for sure. Yeah, it was. Um, per- personally speaking, my twin sister was stillborn, so it's like a huge um, thing for me. <laughs> that yeah. is a weird understatement, but yeah, I mean it it brought so many tears, and I had to like watch it in multiple different sections. But I think it's just it was a wonderful film. Yeah, I really recommend it. And there's, like, a trans character, which I thought was really cool in, like, a historical film. Yeah. Yeah. You don't realize, like, the guy is actually, like, a girl until, like, way throughout the film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's very, very cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Anything else you want to highlight? Uh, gosh. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, I watched one that was pretty cute called The Blind Man Who Didn't Want to See Titanic as a Finnish movie. I was attracted to it because I love Titanic and I had that in the title. Yeah. Basically, he just like, yeah, he's blind because he has like multiple sclerosis, I think, or some degenerative disease. And uh, he's like in a phone relationship with this other woman who um, has gone blind because of cancer. And he used to be such a cinephile before his disease, but um, he always refused to watch Titanic. And that's like kind of a joke between the two of them. And then she gets worse, and he, like, goes on this, like, train, bus, taxi journey to go see her in a different part of Finland, which I didn't realize Finland was that large. It's, like, <laughs> a six-hour journey, and I'm like, how? But whatever. It's all in Europe. I feel like everything's yeah. short. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just be able to teleport, but um, he has to, like, rely on people's... Um, 
kindness and like um, you know generosity towards the disabled, and that doesn't always work because there may or may not be like a kidnapping subplot. So oh wow, yeah, it's like romantic and a thriller. And, Interesting. Yeah, okay. it was cute mm-hmm. cool. and very short, like eighty three minutes or something. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. So I am now here with PJ Navke, another writer who covered SIF for us here at UW Film Club. Um, PJ, how did you enjoy SIF 2022? I thought it was very cool. Um, I liked how it seemed. It feels a lot more like a local film festival. Um, I've been to um, Toronto, which is like big time. All the tourists go, yeah. which I mean, I was one of them. Um, so, you know, it's a totally different vibe and... I appreciated it a lot. Yeah, definitely. I went to TIFF last. We were at TIFF last yeah, year too, yeah. and it's it's huge compared to to SIF just in terms of scope and stuff like that. So yeah. it was kind of nice to just take public transit, yeah. forty minutes to uptown. Yeah, right. all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going around asking all the all the people that covered um, two movies that they really loved at least because uh, Piper in the last one. Um, wanted to re-record three more movies. So do you got a couple of movies, at least, that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, sure. Uh, we can start with uh, Riotsville, USA. Um, this is a new documentary from uh, director Sierra Pettengill, um, who has produced a couple of documentaries in the past, um, including, I think, a miniseries about the Reagan era. And this one is sort of like tracing the history of police militarization in the U.S., um, specifically how it formed in the 60s, um, sort of as a directed response to... Directed, but, like, they wanted to do it. It's mm-hmm. not like a reaction. Um, response to sort of the the civil rights movement of the 60s and then the riots um, in a lot of America's cities, you know, in 66 to 68 and even past that. Um, and sort of the title is based on at a couple of military bases they would construct these fake towns where they would practice with soldiers um, on like how to put down riots um, in the most efficient way. And so that's sort of where the story is based and then it jumps around to different historical events, you know, trying to interrogate how police militarization became more and more forceful, more and more funded, and staying in a historical trend but sort of drawing a line to how that reveals itself today um i know you also saw this movie yeah it, it was it was really interesting because i think we were talking about it as we left and you know it's it, very fair enough there have been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of talk about riots and militarization in films at least mm-hmm. and there have been a lot of perspectives being presented but right. there's some of the stories in here particularly there is an incident outside the RNC in Liberty City that was right. a major focus of the documentary that I just plain out had never heard about ever, right. and it was very interesting. Right, because to... it's always the the DNC in '68 in Chicago. Yeah, um, and she sort of acknowledges like this is what the story is usually about. Let's take another look at the other side of the coin, which doesn't really get talked about, and sort of you know a lot of the a lot most people know the story of the Chicago convention you know Mm -hmm. the big vietnam protests and a bunch of police cracking skulls and stuff like that but it sort of traces a story of how pretty much the same thing happens in miami but it sort of goes under the radar 
but yeah, um, yeah, that was something I didn't even know about too, and it, it sort of discusses some some other interesting historical threads that I wasn't really familiar with, like the um, the Kerner Commission, um, which was um, Kerner was the governor of Illinois at the time, mm-hmm. and I think it was Johnson who um, had him set up this commission to figure out why the riots were happening. Yeah, and basically what they came back and said is like, we need to like give everyone free health care and <laughs> like like totally like redistribute the wealth and things like that in order to fix all this and of course you know they ignored that um, yeah but it's really interesting like and like they go through how like it was a really big deal and like they made these mass market paperbacks of it and they would like sell out like crazy you look back at it today and it's like that's not something that even gets covered in like your ap u.s history class yeah. at all um probably for reasons um (laughs) but yeah um undisclosed reasons (laughs) um i would say like sort of inter she um sort of interweaves like the historical it's basically all archival footage and sort of interweaves the historical vignettes that she's telling with like moments where she like puts her own perspective in and sometimes it's like a little like over poeticized um which sort of takes you out of the the story a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but not all the time, and it can be really like punching and, and powerful, like very clear cut as well. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was very good all around, and you know, it's like ninety minutes, it's perfect length. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very succinct. It was at Sundance as well, I believe. So mm-hmm. hopefully, people got a chance to see it. I think it should be coming out. I think red sometime soon. Hopefully. Yeah. But, but yeah. On that note, uh, what was the other film you especially wanted to talk about today? Sure. So the other film I wanted to talk about was Fire of Love, which is another documentary. Um, this one is about a volcanologist, a French volcanologist couple named Katia and Maurice Kraft. And sort of the title comes from they're both like from this very specific region. They're both from Strasbourg in France. They both just so happen to be the same age. They both, they both just so happen to have their passion and their like ultimate love in life be volcanoes, <laughs> um, and specifically going to them and studying them up close. Yeah. And yeah, so it's sort of this story of like people who like perfect soulmates just happening to be born like you know a couple of miles away from each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. The film is then just their footage that they've shot of their dozens and dozens of adventures trying to study volcanoes, and the footage is really spectacular. Um, I know yeah. we all went and saw this one. So. Yeah, it was it was some of the most unique imagery I think I've seen. Um, yeah, with uh, at at SIF, it's at least one, if not the. Um, and there was just so many clips. And the other thing that I was expecting was. Um, it was very poetic, but at the same time, it didn't mm-hmm. get sucked into that. There are a lot yeah. of just moments, and they're quite funny people. Yeah, um, yeah. And there are a lot of humorous moments and sort of um, their expeditions to stay at volcanoes for, like, weeks on end uh-huh. is quite insane. Yeah, it's not sappy in any way, but you just, like, get the sentimentality, like, sort of 
through the images, like through like the ways that they interact and yeah. stuff, instead of, oh, this is a beautiful love story, let's lean into that. It's more of like you just see so much of their lives together mm-hmm. that like it just comes through. Like, yeah. The fact that these people are together is just so, you know. Crazy. One in one a million. million. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you said it best, too. Like, it's an amazing movie to see in a theater just because, mm-hmm. like, the footage they have of the volcanoes is spectacular. Like, the one that I think of the most is, it's pretty early on in the film, I think, is when they show the nighttime footage of one of the red volcanoes. Yeah. And you see the lava flow at night, and it's just, like, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah. Like, I, I've so. never seen lava underwater just Yeah, that cool. was really cool, it too. It is one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, uh, well, it looks like we have actually a little bit more time. Uh, is there one more film you want to give a shout-out to? Um, so the next movie that uh, we're going to talk about is uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely Rohan's favorite from from what we we saw at SIF. Yeah. Um, directed by Cooper Rafe, who did Shit House. House. Yes. Yeah, which I haven't seen, but I know you have. Yeah. Um, you might be better to introduce it if you would like. Yeah, I mean, he's 24, so around our age. Um, his second film, his first one was uh, won the Grand Jury at South by Southwest, like during the pandemic when the festival was canceled at least, but they still handed out awards and would highly recommend that. But um, yeah, I mean, I put all my thoughts, I wrote a full-length review um, for it on, this, on the Utah Film Club site, if you're interested in reading about that. But I just think... The, the movie is very heartfelt and very mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Um, not to a point where it's saccharine, yeah. um, because uh, it essentially follows um, a, a kid named Andrew coming out of college, 22, no job prospects, <laughs> very relatable to me, and sort of how marketing he's sort major. of... Yeah, marketing, exactly. <laughs> and he's sort of trying to figure out sort of where he wants to go in life. And in the meantime, he gets a job as a party starter for his younger brother's bar, bar mitzvahs in the yeah. community but he 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 doesn't really know what he's doing you know he's really sweet in how he tries to approach people but there will be times where he just like says a complete asshole thing and yeah. it's quite funny and quite and quite emotional especially towards the end uh-huh. um just sort of exploring the themes of coming of age not necessarily in terms of even being you know, relatively like coming out of college or like growing up as a teenager, but playing opposite is Dakota Johnson, Domino, uh, who plays Domino, who is a mother uh, of a daughter named Lola who has autism, and sort of how he sort of gets entangled with her, possibly romantically, possibly not. There's mm-hmm. sort of like a real sense of exploration, both within Andrew and within Domino and their relationship. I think just Cooper does an exceptional job just writing every character and loving every character not just for who they are but also who they're not and their flaws yeah and i think the juxtaposition of where domino is at in her life and where andrew yeah is at in his life is like what makes like the story go like you know i just thought of this it's kind of like a similar conceit to um uh, licorice pizza yeah in that like there's these two people who just sort of happen to come together and they're at different stages of life and they can't really be together even if there's a connection um and it sort of deals with how they deal with people of their own age and people of different age um and the attention that they get from them and then how 
they have to move forward in their stage in life versus the other and yeah i don't know it just makes a yeah it's like a you know it's like a touching sundance mm-hmm. darling you know yeah. it's it's good audience award winner but i would yeah. say it's good for sure no definitely yeah um and that cooper riff guy is pretty good yeah he's, he's got a bright future yeah i mean crazy me. that he's 24 20 yeah. yeah yeah oh my god yeah he's made two actual movies yeah already. yeah insane um but yeah cool thanks for talking with me pj all right cool Cool. So now I'm sitting here with the president of UW Film Club, Stephanie Chuang, uh, to talk a little bit about her SIF 2022 experience. Stephanie, how was SIF for you this year? It was really great. I was able to see five films, which was not as many as I had hoped, but I still got to hit um, most of the big ones that I was intending on. But I'm excited to see the rest of them as they come out on uh, more screens. Yeah, I agree. I personally really loved, I know I talked to Piper earlier on the podcast about sort of the high road was really nice and sort of catching up with films and just going around Seattle and seeing a bunch of movies with friends like you was really mm-hmm. fun. So, uh, yeah. And so we're going around asking all of the writers or reviewers of SIF 2022 from UW Film Club this year, um, what were their favorite films? So do you have a couple that you would like to highlight? Yeah, so... The first SIF movie I watched this year was a documentary called Bernstein's Wall, and it's about Leonard Bernstein. And so if you don't know, he's um, a composer, musician, who is famous, most famous for his work on um, the 1963 West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah. the, and the 2021 And the one. play, yeah. And the play, yeah. And so he did all of the music for that, um, but... Outside of that, he had a very illustrious career as a musician and a composer and an artist. And so the documentary sort of followed his life, birth to death, um, him growing up along like World War II, the McCarthy era, Vietnam War, um, civil rights era. And so him, especially as a Jewish and closeted homosexual man growing up during those times and trying to be a musician trying to be an artist and so constantly throughout the documentary he talks a lot about how um how his art can or doesn't help and how if it matters what he's doing and if that leaves a legacy that he wants to uh leave behind that changes the world for the better I think it asks a lot of big questions of like that to artists. And based on the documentary, he was a very hopeful guy that was just like, if I can make this something better, if I can spread the art and the music in one way, it will all be for the better. Um, but he was very active politically, and um, he worked with the like biggest music groups like New York Phil, all over Europe, that kind of thing. Um, and he was conducting he was a pianist and it was fascinating to see his life because i think most people just know him only for the west side story stuff and so it was fascinating to see his life on the grand scheme of um american history and stuff like that and i honestly i'm a huge fan of leonard beardstein so i was very glad to learn about that and um i know you are a fan of classical music you play the flute but even beyond you know, music, could somebody walk into this documentary? And like it? I think so. There's 
there's a lot to be, like, I played some of Bernstein's work in high school, and so I already knew who he was, and I was a huge fan, but you don't have to know music to understand Bernstein, because he just has that, like, the documentary is just about his innate desire to reach out and connect people through music, and through art, and how that kind of bond can break down barriers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was, it's very touching and optimistic, the way that um, the documentary frames it. Yeah, that sounds like a very intriguing documentary. Hopefully we get to see that soon. Um, did you have another film that you wanted to talk about? Yes. Um, Celine Sciamma's Petite Maman. Petite Maman, okay. So this film was, like, just the absolute, he- like, the most healing journey of a film. It's a short and sweet 72 minutes, and it is about the relationship between a mother and a daughter. I won't go into it any more than that. But it's just sort of about, I think, the fears that you have as a parent, as a child, the the things you wonder, the things you know and you don't know about your parent or your child, and then the things you're afraid of passing on to said child. Mm -hmm. And so it was very healing to watch that kind of um, relationship on screen. And it it was also like a funny film, too. There was was a lot of very sweet and funny stuff. And the actors... The main actresses um, were incredible. I love them together. I don't know. It was just, it was healing. That's like the biggest word I can use to describe it. Yeah. And There's a lot of unanswered questions sometimes in those kinds of scenarios, but this movie like really wraps it up really nice. Yeah. And as a 72 minute runtime of a film, mm-hmm. like absolutely love when you can tell like this just full complete story with a few actors and I, I agree this was one of the films I saw with you at the festival and I will double down on your recommendation for sure and uh, I think we were talking about it when we were leaving the theater but I know Celine Siama is a huge animation fan so I, I can imagine sort of comparisons to sort of Ghibli films being a really strong thing I don't know I felt that sort of sweet, gentle atmosphere while also exploring these really deep questions about humanity and stuff like that. It was, a, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I know it just felt like I wanted to relax the entire film. I didn't have to worry about anything. It was, it was really sweet. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to mention about Sif before we, before we log mm. off here? Uh, no, it was, it was so great to be back in person. I loved going to theaters um, again, um, support your local your local theaters and your local film festivals for sure. Especially nonprofits named SIF because yeah. those are dope. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I'm sitting here uh, virtually in Zoom with uh, Luke Wilhelm, who was one of our writers and reviewers um, for the UW Film Club site this year at SIF 2022. Luke. How was your experience at SIF 2022 this year? It was really good. Yeah, this was my first um, in-person SIF after last year's, which is virtual. Yeah, it was great to finally go in person uh, and finally sort of just get a sense of what it's like to go to like a proper uh, film festival here in Seattle. Uh, it's my first, it's my also first time living in Seattle too. So it was like nice to see what you know film here has to offer. I saw some great films. I saw, I got to talk here, talk some great filmmakers. Um, yeah, it was all around really great. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, anybody of note, uh, that came and attended your screenings that were, that stuck out to you? Um, I would say a person of note, 
if you ask, uh, <laughs> was, um, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name again, Christopher Blavelt, <laughs> uh, who is, uh, he was the DOP of a film I really loved at SIF called Warm Blood. He's done um, Bling Ring, Sofia Coppola film, oh, okay. uh, also did Mid-90s, which another wow. film people might know. Um, but his but Warm Blood was a excellent movie and probably my, the most standout film at SIF. Yeah. So, it was yeah. Cool to see. So, so let's transition to that. We're going around asking everybody who reviewed um, a couple of films that they loved. And I know you were war on Warm Blood. So do you, uh, do you want to talk about that a bit? <laughs> yeah <laughs> god um but yeah warm blood was uh incredible it was by far one of, by far the best movie i saw at sif one of the best movies i've ever seen um this i'm, I'm getting already already getting pretty hyperbolic but i i think i was the only writer to give a movie five stars at sif this year um and i'm really glad i was able to give it to warm blood because it is super engrossing it super really pulls you into its story its world uh essentially the plot is um it's set in town called Modesto, California, which I'm aware, having having grown up in California, not anywhere near Modesto, but I've been to Modesto several times. I'm aware of, of what it's like. It and so I'm 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 not saying like oh like it meant something personal because I'm from California, but like the film definitely some something something that's that's an, an element of truth to to that environment. Um, and it's and it's about Red, uh, who is a girl returning to Modesto. Uh, after um, years of uh, kind of running away, um, the film the film gets into the film gets through uh, a number of super interesting techniques. It gets into exploring her childhood, kind of growing up with a sort of abusive dad. Um, the film is sort of her re-exploring her childhood while also sort of dealing with this sort of rot that's kind of pervading this entire place. It's super, it's super um, gross. It's super dark and dank. And it's just, uh, God, I'm, I'm running out of words here. It's so, it's, it's so good. Is it a horror film? <sighs> Maybe not horror. Cause there's no, it's not, it's, there's no jump scare. It's sort of like, but throughout the film, it builds up this just sense of like, God, there is something wrong here. Like, like, and like, not like, oh, and then there's something wrong here. And then it's going to result in like a, like a terrible thing happening. But it's mm -hmm. sort of just like that, just the pervasiveness of this feeling. Um, I would, I like, and, and I wouldn't say there's something wrong here is the vibe it's going for, but it's like that, just that, just that feeling of there's something being off. Yeah. And it, and it manages to do this in very minimalist ways I feel a lot of scenes oh there's a lot of really long takes of just walking down streets or sitting in diners um or in house parties and things like that interesting yeah but warm blood sounds very much like speak no evil which was my second favorite film festival and like there was a very just it, it, it is leans into the horror aspect but for most of it it's just really disturbing and really off-putting and weird and there's like a it's like a very interesting tone it strikes would recommend that for sure I, I actually two two things i'll say warm blood that i feel like i are important to mention that i haven't mentioned yet it uses a yeah. mix of both scripted footage and uh, documentary footage footage oh. that would just that they went around shooting a lot of shots uh, they they use a lot of shots like of modesto and a lot of those shots are just shots they just went around getting um and in some cases they'll just be like shots of like long takes of people just like being on the street or like a band that just perform performing in front of a gas station um and just 
they they throw that in there alongside there's alongside their scripted content uh which some of it was some of which was shot on film uh and it's yeah and they taught the end like that i also after after the talk this this was the film film's premiere at sif um, yeah oh, after okay. after the film there was a talk by uh the director rich Tarnowski, and several of the crew uh and cast uh who were great to see there um and they sort of talk about like he, like rick in between uh shooting doing like doing some other work which is go up to modesto over the weekend and just get get footage wherever he could um and like how they made this film over a period of 10 years um wow oh wow okay definitely yeah def definitely got to check that out hopefully it gets i don't know if it has distribution but yeah i said i said i haven't seen anything yet on its distribution or any other places it'll be showing but i really hope more people can see it that way me, yeah me too yeah hopefully it comes it comes by soon any other films uh that you'd like to talk about before we wrap things up here yeah warm blood was an unexpected one it definitely came from behind the one that i was actually most looking forward to at sif and one that i still enjoyed quite a bit uh, was neptune frost um which mm -hmm. was this sort of uh science fiction abstract afrofuturist movie from rwanda um and yeah it was i there were some parts there were some parts of it where I, I felt like it sort of dragged in a way that warm blood never did and that's why, and that, and that's why I perhaps was not as high on it as Warm Blood. Um, but it, I think they both come from a, a similar place. Uh, um, but Neptune Frost is sort of Warm Blood, even when it's being um, minimalist, it's being very grounded. It's trying, it's grounding itself in a very realism kind of way, very long mm -hmm. takes. Whereas Neptune Frost is drawing way more on surrealism. Um, it's drawing it's drawing way more on like these unreal places essentially it's hard to describe the plot essentially it's about this uh this hacker uh named neptune frost mm -hmm. and a miner from a local uh sort of refinery kind of place and who basically are starting this revolution you find this out approximately halfway through the movie because everything before and, and and still and after that is a lot about like jumping through dream sequences and establishing this weird world of um governed by the authority but still existing in like on earth with other nations including the united states uh it's a musical so there's lots of use of techno electronica musica music um <laughs> at one point in a song someone says fuck mr google um <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it it goes for it in in a lot of the best ways. Wow, that sounds really wonderful, really unique. That definitely have not seen anything like that at the festival, which sounds exciting. Yeah, yes, it it was it was certainly it was not at all what I was expect I expected, and I think that to that was definitely more to its credit. Um, it also just looks super super good too. Uh, cinematography really really hitting all those. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for dropping by the Zoom call, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Awesome. Thank you to Piper, PJ, Stephanie, and Luke for meeting me everywhere, hopping on calls to talk about the films that they loved at SIF. Um, if you're interested in learning more about SIF, though the festival has concluded, you can check out more of their year-long programming over at SIF.net. And if you're interested in learning more about UW Film Club, uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW or on our Facebook page slash UW Film Club. 
Uh, and if you want to hear more of these podcasts, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Um, I want to thank you all for listening to this edition, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you then.